Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Oh, the signing day that got left behind. It is Morning Jocks, Jocks Honey 4-5, Landrum Roberts. That is Damian Mitchell. Good morning, D. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Why did uh, why'd you have to beat up this one? Sign, this signing day? I'm not beating it up. He said, <laughs> I come to this said revelation every single year. Every single year. I'm like, golly, I can remember that, that first Wednesday in February. Yeah. And how grand it was. Now, you're going to have some teams that are able to add to their rosters today, like the UAB Blazers, because of coaching staffs coming in, kind of getting a late start. The Blazers are already doing well via the transfer portal, but expected to sign more players to that 2023 class. So we'll keep you updated there. Auburn expected to sign one player, and it's a four-star running back, um, young man Cobb, out of Catholic there in Montgomery. He wanted to sign in a ceremony with his teammates uh, apparently, this is a tradition there at the school. So instead of signing back in late December, he's deciding to do it today. So Auburn and Hugh Freeze officially will ink a four-star running back to add to their class. Alabama, Nick Saban, not expected to add any players to their, well, best class in the country. And why should they? We do have news on Alabama. We have news from the NFL. But it is National Dark Chocolate Day did not realize this until a couple of weeks ago, and I don't want to put anybody on alert, but I think that this is a public service announcement. I do like dark chocolate. You go the heavier the, the cocoa or whatever that they put in it. You know, it'll say 70%, 72%. You can get up there 86% with a really intense dark. You need to check out the amount of lead and cadmium that could be in your dark chocolate. Oh, boy. Consumer Reports, they went out there and, yeah, so... Um, I don't know if we have any dark chocolate sponsors, but GR Deli seems to be a safe one right now. There are others that you probably shouldn't roll with, and you might as well just be eating catfish loaded with mercury out of Vietnam. <laughs> okay, well, uh, there's I can't a, say much of a dark there's a little bit of wisdom for this Wednesday of wisdom here on the show. <laughs> we shall see. But we have other wisdom. And thinking of signing day, this wasn't signing day, but this was an announcement that was made a few years ago, and. You'll know who it is, and you'll kind of remember the moment there at that All-Star game. Number one safety nationally in the ESPNU 150. Now, you are literally from Geismart, Louisiana. Let's see if that plays into things here. LSU. I'm from New Orleans. You're from New Orleans. Okay, we'll give you New Orleans. But that's still LSU country. I know that. LSU or Alabama, the number one safety in the country, Landon Collins, will play his ball where? It's a tough decision. Uh, I got both schools here. I'm going to go roll tie roll. Ooh, Alabama gets the number one safety in the country, Landon Collins. Now, it, it, might I ask you your reaction, and I'm only doing that because I, I, there was not a lot of joy here. Can I ask why? I feel this LSU is a better place for him to be. LSU Tigers, number one. Go Tigers. Landon Collins out of New Orleans. Rolling Tide to Alabama. Rolling Tide. Dari, what? He's must, learned so much since then. He, he must have had producer in his ear. He's just like, a rolling right. of Tide. Yeah. 
Go to break. We're rolling out. We're rolling out. Rolling of tide. Golly, Jerry, stop talking to me in my ear. Um, yeah, but so. you want to talk about Wise? I think he made the uh, think he made the right decision. You think so? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So some of uh, some of these guys, they won't be faced with those kind of decisions today. But you you might have a couple. We could have a little signing day drama. You never know, and you could always use a little more wisdom in your life. We'll get to you and all of the headlines that might have happened while you were asleep, while you were under a rock, while you were doing other things. This is the Rip and Read. You know what's more dangerous than a really, really, really good and talented basketball team? A really, really, really good and talented basketball team that is pissed off and coming off a double-digit loss to a team that they should have wiped the floor with. Alabama last night taking on Vanderbilt. Jerry Stackhouse and the Commodores. The unenviable task of going into Coleman and trying to put up a fight. They got off to a great start. Led 5 nothing early. Early. like. Then if you sneezed, blinked for half of a second, you looked up and it was 15-5 Alabama and there was no looking back. Not at all. Woo. It only got worse. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Goodness gracious. Uh, yeah, Alabama, they beat Vanderbilt 101-44. to Again, Alabama, they beat Vanderbilt 101-44 to in men's basketball. It Alabama beats Vanderbilt 101-44. to Yeah. 57 points, the largest margin of victory over an SEC opponent ever. Previously, it was a win over Ole Miss that came back in 1947. Alabama, 19 of 41 from outside. That's 46% from the three-point range. Eh, pretty good. I'd say. Alabama shot 59% from the field. Brandon Miller with 22 points. Damari Burnett, 16 points. Ryan Griffin, 12 points. Noah Gurley with 11 points. Charles Bediaco, I mean, Bediaco got 10 Alabama taking care of business. Does not help when Vanderbilt shoots 15% from the field in the first half. No. That no. ain't good. No. They were 5 of 33 after leading 5-0 early. Alabama had six assists in the loss to Oklahoma. Last night, Alabama had 29. Alabama led the rebounding battle as well. Won that. They should have by 12. But, ooh. Just when you were thinking, all right, this tied, this this Alabama team, they're going to go into a little. And they played a Vanderbilt team that plays hard. But last night, goodness gracious, Alabama was on fire. Yeah. And they basically replicated what Oklahoma did to them. Yeah. But for Alabama, this is what you're supposed to do to teams that you're better than. You're supposed to go out there and handle your business. And like you said, for them to be ticked off after the poor performance against Oklahoma to follow this up, um, and even Nato's uh, addressed this in his postgame, I feel bad it was Vanderbilt that had to play them right after that because, Lord, have mercy. As tough as they play and as hard as they play, there was nothing that was stopping Alabama last night. Damien's lips to Nate's ears. Here's Coach Oates after the game. They answered the bell after the uh, Oklahoma game. I thought it was a great way to respond. You know, I respect Vanderbilt a lot, so it's kind of unfortunate for them that um, Stick with the team that followed up the Oklahoma game, but I, I told our guys like, you know, we kind of showing who we are. I think we're a tough, hard, nose blue collar, great team. Vanderbilt's tough. I mean, we sh- showed a little highlight film of Vanderbilt's tough plays before the game. Like this is a game where if we're gonna try to be the tougher team, we kind of told our guys that 
nationally, the big question is soft. Any team with a decent base can able to go to work on us. So Nate knows that he's right. And Jerry Sackhouse summed it up and said, quote, uh, wrong team, wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. That is pretty much all you can say. Mark texts into the show. says, Bama 29 assists, Vandy 6 assists equals ass whooping. I would agree. Lewis texts into the show. By the way, you can as well. 205-834-9450 if this is your first time playing. Lewis says, yep. Thanks, Oklahoma, for the wake-up call. Roll Tide. Yeah. Of course, you would love to have a wake-up call without it being a loss. But um, all those question marks are Alabama's burnt out or they just look like they just don't care. Nah, you, you flip this game on, you're like, nope. They just need that shock in the they just need that, that, that shock in the engine and look at them now. I think it'd be hard to duplicate or replicate the 57-point win, but they might have an option or a chance to do so. Going on the road, they take on LSU on Saturday. Oh, boy. Not a good team. Well, we saw LSU when they came to Coleman. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That was nasty, too. Was. That was, what, a 30-something point win for Alabama? Or 40-point win for Alabama? Yep. I think so. they, might be, <laughs> they might continue that stretch uh, here come Saturday. Uh, for sure. So Alabama, they're going to host LSU. Also in the SEC last night, you had Arkansas over Texas A&M. Cool down buzz in the Aggies. Sorry, John Mack. 81-70. Arkansas, they only play seven players. But Devontae Davis goes for 19. Ricky Council, the fourth, goes for 19. And Anthony Black goes for 11. So Arkansas trying to improve their resume as the latest bracketology. That we'll get to is out from Joe Lenardi of ESPN. Also in the SEC last night, you had Kentucky going on the road, handling their business, 75-66. This was close until about the midway point of the second half there in the pavilion. Antonio Reeves goes for 27, and it was Kentucky being able to hit some shots from outside, playing smart over the basketball, now projected, and I'll go ahead, spoiler alert, to be one of the last teams selected, as it stands right now, for the NCAA tournament. And also last night in Columbia, South Carolina, Mississippi State over the Gamecocks, 66-51. to 51. Tonight, you get Auburn trying to bounce back after two losses last week to Texas A&M this past weekend in Morgantown to West Virginia. Auburn hosting Georgia, a team that beat them by double digits in Athens at the beginning of SEC play. Auburn, a 12-point favorite. You can hear the game right here on Jocks 94.5 with a tip-off coming at 6, 5.30, the pregame. And also, the game will be shown on the SEC Network. Just turn the volume down. Tune in to Jocks. Also in the SEC, number two, Tennessee. They're in Gainesville to take on Florida, 6 o'clock on ESPN2, and you're going to get LSU at Missouri, 8 o'clock on the SEC Network. Quick look at the top 25 from yesterday around college basketball. You had number eight, Kansas. They avenged the earlier road loss to number seven, Kansas State. They're in the Sunflower Spectacular, whatever they call it. Something like that. Something like that. 90 to 78. The final is Kansas gets the win. TCU, they bounce back. Number 15 team in the country. They knock off West Virginia, 76-72. And it was Boston College upsetting number 20 Clemson, 62-54. Indiana falls on the road at Maryland, 66-55. San Diego State, the number 22 team in the country. They fall on the road to Nevada. It's number 23 Miami at home winning over Virginia Tech. And UConn, the number 24 team in the country, right behind Auburn. One time number one. They beat DePaul, a terrible team, 90 276. All right. Alabama football. 
We talked about it yesterday. Guy makes his way to Tuscaloosa, checks out facilities, meets with Nick Saban, talking about offensive coordinator of the Washington Huskies, Ryan Grubb. Figure you're going to get on a plane, you're going to come tour the facilities. I don't know what happened. I don't know if Pep Band wasn't there. I don't know if dance team didn't show up. I don't know if, you know, he walked in and he he got the, the Ed Reed, like, garbage everywhere. I'm kidding about I, that. I, I, I highly doubt. No, that did not happen. Let me go ahead and assure everyone. Man. It's a joke. Oh, my gosh. Get the, okay, get the custodial <laughs> staff writing an email. It ain't funny, but it is. No, it's not. Well, it's not funny for them. Right, Nick not, Saban's going to hear that, you know. And then all of a sudden, there's an apartment head meeting. Heads roll, and it's because I was making a joke about <laughs> the facility you. having trash, and it was a reference of Ed Reed. And all right. That. Okay. Now you can't be, you know, a, a tighter insider. <sighs> can't joke anymore. Now you can't, you know. No. Gotta take your, gotta take your crimson colored glasses off. Gotta look at them objectively. Yes. They're gonna take back the degree that I never got from that school. <laughs> all your RTR is gonna be in vain. That's right. <laughs> Had to get tattoos removed from my back. <laughs> right. That's a lot of years. Anyways, Ryan Grubb, the OC, we find out yesterday, and we talked about it on this show. We talked on Mac and Cube in the morning, myself and Pat Smith and Damian. Like, how many times do you get on that plane, and then you come back, and you say, you know what? Nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay here. Well, it happened yesterday. Ryan Grubb decides, hey, the grass isn't always greener. I'm going to stay in Seattle. I'm going to enjoy this. And Nick Saban is still searching for an offensive coordinator. So what broke down in that? Maybe it was you know getting to Tuscaloosa, maybe having second thoughts. Maybe it was some kind of omen that Ryan Grubb saw. But who knows? It could be a silver lining for Alabama, and it could be, I don't know, what some fans view as settling. Whoever Nick Saban decides to tap as the new OC, defensive coordinator, that's still out there as well. But a lot of concern, seeing concern, from Alabama fans because not often do you see Alabama getting publicly turned down. But that's what happened. Right? Yeah. Is that fair? Either we don't hear about any kind of meeting happening and here's their who's the new position coach or the new OC or the new DC. Yeah. But just the fact that a high-profile guy making $2 million a year, nation's number one offense arguably in 2022, gets on a plane, comes to Tuscaloosa, meets with Nick Saban, tours everything. It's like you know, I figured he was gonna he's gonna kill two birds one stone. Gets there, goes to the facility, and then I don't know. Maybe he's FaceTiming with wife, and he's like, "Hey, this is a neighborhood that the coaches recommend. A lot of the coaches live here. Right? Uh, here's the school. I don't know. You know, kind of just getting the lay of the land. Here's where we're gonna be doing our shopping. You think it's just sell itself? Like you you would automatically think if you're gonna fly all the way from Washington down here, it isn't for just hey, look at our facilities and look at what we can we do. It's no, you're coming down here to in, to pretty much know if you're gonna have a job here or not when you head back to Washington to make this decision. And now it's one of those. It's he made his decision, all right, and it's not the one that a lot of people expected. Patrick texts in of the show and he says Grub didn't come because of the I'll call it shoddy replacing a letter road conditions in Tuscaloosa. Probably played a factor. <laughs> probably wasn't at the high. Probably wasn't at a. Uh, a high point on the list, but once he got down here, he's probably like, you know what? This, this ain't it. Our buddy Heath texting in the show, he says, you think 
You guys think Saban's age is working against him trying to hire coordinators. Uh, you know, that is an interesting question because it seems like Nick Saban, he's going to be able to coach as long as he sees fit. But maybe for a guy like Ryan Grubb, and he's thinking, all right, familiarity. Kalen DeBoer, head coach, he's a young guy, came with him from Fresno State here at Washington. We did some good things. You would think that he's probably going to be at Washington unless they just fall completely on their face, at least for the next four or five years or wherever he might choose to go. Maybe Washington ends up being a stepping so for a bigger job. Who knows? But I think that that probably, if we're being real with ourselves, that probably comes into maybe a line of thinking. I don't know if that's ultimately goes in the con column for a guy like Ryan Grubb on Nick Saban and his age. What, Saban's 71? Got a contract through 2028, I think. But Heath, no, I think it's a valid question. And you start thinking about, okay, well, how much longer do I do I really think that, you know, Coach Saban has left at Alabama? And I don't think it's unfair to ask that question with now Ryan Grubb saying no. Not saying it was based, and it might not have had anything to do with age. I don't think Ryan Grubb would ever say that, number one. But you have to think about it. If you're going to make that move, you're going to move your family across the country, and you think, okay, well, you know, what if Saban, what if Georgia does what they do? They they win three straight. Saban just decides after this year, you know what? I've had it. You can take your NIL. You can take your, your players wanting $1.3 million to stay on your roster. And you guys, I'm going to take my championships, and I'm going to go talk on ESPN. Maybe that's something that weighs in when they're factoring these things. I don't know. I was surprised. I thought Ryan Grubb was probably going to be the guy. Once his name was brought up, and like you said, we were hearing reports of things, and, you know, it was kind of heating up, and he was making the trip down here. Kind of, like you said earlier, kind of just sells itself. You would assume that, oh, he's not coming down here to just look at the facilities and just look at everything. No, he's coming down here to be the, the next offensive coordinator. But I don't know. I, I, I kind of look at it as – is do you think he's feeling pressure? Do you think Coach Saban is feeling a little bit of pressure now? Because again, he's had we've seen names, we've seen people straight up just say, nah, like I don't I don't want to do it. And again, offensively, where do you go? Who is that name that could who could make that jump? Well, I do think that now with what you have with Pete Golding and, and Bill O'Brien, the fans wanting both coordinators out, you didn't have that with Sark. You didn't have that with Mike Loxley. You didn't have that with Lane Kiffin. Those guys, they left, and they got they got good opportunities to leave. Right. With Bill O'Brien going back to kind of like maybe that safe spot where he knows they found him a place to go. Pete Golding, all right, he's going to go, and he's going to run with you know his running buddy. And Lane Kiffin, a little more of a, I would say, a different climate with what you have on your day-to-day. They're coaching at Ole Miss. I'm not saying they don't work, but it's, I'm guessing, different like it is most other places than it is at Alabama. And they look at it and they go, okay, well, those guys did pretty good. I mean, Bill O'Brien, his, his offense, statistically, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of Alabama, but what I saw, I mean, damn, they were they were pretty good. Pete Golding, that defense, that was pretty Why did they want him out of there? I'm like, God, do I really want to go and step into that? That's why I say, like, the pressure is – the target on your back is huge. And – a lot of coaches, I mean, some of them may not be built for it. Maybe some of them don't even want to go and 
attempted. And others probably look at it as, I mean, coaches talk. Coaches talk. There's probably some connection somewhere of like, hey, man, you know, Coach Coach Haven's like this, and maybe y'all won't jail well in certain things. Or you start going over the layout and probably looked at the receiving core and the quarterback position of saying, wow, do I want to come to Alabama and try to have this pressure of fixing all of this with all of this un- quote-unquote unproven talent or unproven success just this early? Can I take it? I don't know. It's it's a lot to truly process because this is a big-time decision. Like you said, this is coming off of an offense coordinator that averaged 40 and it wasn't enough, and a defensive coordinator that was in the top 10 and it wasn't enough, and it's like, wow, that's a lot. Like, what, what do you want from me as your offensive coordinator then? If Say if we average 42 points, but we're 60 yards less from last year. Is it a bad offense or – is the players? Is it my system? It, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Brian texts into the show and he says, hate to say it, but I see the incoming for Coach Saban. Something, things different. Been a fun ride. Feeling this for a couple of years now. RTR. Hmm. Uh, just kind of to my point, Heath from Morris says, would you want to go, Coach, where 40 points a game wasn't good enough for the fan base? All right. <laughs> like, the pre- that's a lot of pressure, man. Lewis says, I clearly own a pair of crimson glasses, but do we even know that he was offered? Maybe it was an interview. Saban said, I'll get back to you. And the good old boy got his feelings hurt, put out a message to get in front. I just can't see any scenario where a guy's going to fly to Tuscaloosa, spend a day, or however long he, he talked with Nick Saban. I mean, a lot of that stuff. Are you interested? Yeah, well, we're very, very interested in you. You know, you come and check it out. I don't know. I, I feel like they were probably pretty far down the road. So, or maybe maybe it was a money thing. Hey, I'm making two million. Won't you guys? You guys gonna pay me? You pay me three million. Saban's looking. He's like, well, well I mean, I'm impressed with your resume, but come on, buddy. not that impressed. Now, now since we're talking numbers, yeah. <laughs> now now you want to talk numbers? Nah, probably not gonna work with that, but. <laughs> So do you I got think, five-star cornerbacks asking me for $800,000. You want $3 million? So which coordinator do you think is more, I'm not going to say important, but uh, of the you should have more of a sense of urgency of hiring quickly, offensive or defensive? I think it's offensive because you, you need to get that guy. you got a quarterback room full of young guys. I mean, yep. Jalen Milrow, he's been in the system, but he's still a young guy relative mm-hmm. to experience. Uh, Ty Simpson, uh, Eli Holstein, uh, I'm trying to remember the other kid that they they just brought in. So you got a lot of young talent. You need to at least, Damon, you know it as, as well as anyone, start having those conversations, whether it's terminology, familiarity, this is how I work. Hey, what are some things that mm-hmm. you know you're comfortable with? What are your, you know, what are some things you like to run? What are your strengths? All that good stuff. Because you're only getting closer to spring, too. No, I mean with, with Nick Saban, let's be honest, Nick Saban, the defense, you I'm not saying you can just plug anybody in there. Obviously, you can't. Otherwise, there would be a defensive coordinator. But maybe Saban knows, hey, that guy's already on the staff and I can't go get this guy or I can't go get this guy. Then, yeah, we talked about it yesterday. Maybe you look at Todd Grantham. And, but Saban's not dumb. I mean, Saban, ultimately, he doesn't probably care what any of us think. But I think Saban is, is very wise. He is always open to new ideas. And Nick Saban is more in tune with certain things that he pretends not to care about than I think you would ever know. And he's very well aware, and he 
He he understands the room. He knows how to read a room. Let's get to your phone calls. 800-239-WJOX. 205-834-9450. Ryan Grubb tells Bama no. It is Larry on a cell. Larry, happy February. Hey, gentlemen. Good morning. Always enjoy your show. I want to throw this at you. Just think about it. Uh, I have a cousin that moved to L.A. in the late 70s. He's never come back. The gentleman that just came from Washington. Is not, is not the University of Washington in Seattle? Correct. Correct. Seattle? Yes. It, I think it was more of a cultural shock. I think, I think the bottom line is this man's a young man. And number two, the other thing I would like to point out is Saban is not easy to coach for. Yep. And all you got to do is, I mean, he's beyond a perfectionist. And I mean, Lane Kiffin and all the other OCs that we've had. But I just think that the, the bottom line, I don't think it was money. I, everybody, hey, call me a bammer. I don't care what you call me. But I just think that the, I mean, come on, man. I, 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 my older brothers and little sister live in T Town. I live in Birmingham. But it was, I think it was, I think it was more to, I don't think it was the fact that, I think he flew down here to see it, see the university, see the, see the facilities and what have you, but I, I think it was more of a culture shock more than anything. That's my point. But one thing that, uh, you know, the OC that now is coaches in Texas, uh, what's his name? Uh, he's head coach of Texas. Sarkeesian. Yeah, Sarkeesian. I'll never forget a point he made one time in a meeting. He said, he said I thought I knew football. And he, I mean, that's what he's always been as an OC. And he said when he came to Tuscaloosa and started working for Saban, he said it was just a, a different level. But, I mean, that was a valid point that I remember Sark saying. But I just wanted to throw that out there, guys. I always enjoy your show. I listen every morning. Take care, guys. Hey, Larry, thank you. Too Safe brother. travels out there. Keep on trucking. Uh, yeah, Seattle. I've, I've been to Seattle. I've been to Tuscaloosa. Both places. Yes, they're different. It's, it's going to be a different scene. But it is, I will point out, to Larry's point about the culture shock, Ryan Grubb was born in Kingsley, Iowa, and as of 2021, their population, according to the census, was 1,387 people in that town. Small town fella. He wasn't born in Manhattan. No. Just throwing it out there. He is in Seattle, though. But he did bring up a great point. Not Again, the pressure of working under Coach no, Saban. No, it's, it's a it's, grind. It's a, it's it's a real thing. <laughs> it's real. It's a real thing, and you start weighing out. Yeah. I mean, how many of you – have had maybe an opportunity to go and make more money, but you just thought about the day-to-day and said, God, I'm going to be miserable, and is it worth it? Or if you've been like me in certain home improvement projects, and you start weighing it out, and you're like, all right, well, is my time really worth saving $1,000? If it's going to take me five times what it's going to take right. this guy to this come guy, in and do yeah. it, and I got wife off of my back, it's done. It's done better. <laughs> yeah, And I, I don't burn five weekends. You got to think about it. Alan is in T-Town. Alan, welcome into Morning Jocks. Your reaction to Ryan Grubb telling Nick Saban no. Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing well. Hope you are. I'm good. Uh, I think it's more the fan base and the Alabama standard that we've created. I mean, like y'all hit all over, uh, I mean, what was the what was the, what were the similarities between Bill O'Brien and Ryan Grubb's defense or offense. I mean, I'm sorry. Their statistics. How close are they? He may have the number one offense, but Alabama scoring 40 points. That's no slack either. And like you guys said, we we were all over social media. I even called in and said it was better than uh, the day my son was born when Bill O'Brien left E Town. 
But the Bama standard, I don't know that that's not running off some of those coaches. Man, it could be. And look, you're you just got two raises if you're Ryan Grubb. You were making a million to start the year. You got a one point four five million raise at the end of the year. Then somebody else came calling. You started looking around. If you're Washington, you're like, golly, this guy is a real gem. And you go ahead and you give him two million dollars a year to keep him to stay. Um so, you know, the trade off, Alabama going, I I don't know. Was it was it a financial thing? Seems like you know, you kind of get an idea of where where Ryan Grubb would want to be before he comes. I can't see Alabama balking it, if even if it was two point three million dollars to become the highest paid coordinator, um, Alan. I mean, but yeah, I, I who, go ahead. Who was it that said, "Don't out happy happy"? Yeah, don't try to out happy happy, and that was Jim Harbaugh. If, if you're if you're happy where you are and you're making decent money, don't go somewhere where the pressure may be higher. A coach may be tougher to coach for, and you're not really going to make much more money. And you're you're a preseason top 15, and you have a quarterback who averaged more passing yards per game than any other quarterback in the country coming back, and Michael Penix Jr., and some of the additions that they've had, and you play in the Pac-12, the expectations, all of that good stuff, familiarity with staff, the process, the day-to-day, I think ultimately it's you know the shine of Alabama. It just there there wasn't enough there, and you never know. It could have been a family thing. He could have gotten a, a cell phone call from wife, and she said, "Hey, I've just really been thinking about this, and I don't want to move to the South." Okay, wouldn't that be a fun conversation to have with Saban while you're touring the facility? Uh, hey, coach, sorry, I just got off phone with my wife. Yeah, we're we're gonna kill this now. Yeah, not coming. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the flight and everything, but we're going to head on back. <laughs> yeah, call the yacht club. No need for the the table and lunch. We're uh, we're heading back, and I'm sorry I've wasted your time. And you are the goat, and I'm a big fan. That's it. But guys, love the show. Uh, well, love listening, and hope you guys have a good one. You need to love your son more than you do Bill O'Brien leaving <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> you know, you know as a fact that I do. I may be exaggerating that but I was extremely happy. See, Alan, you're part of the baby. problem. You're part baby. of that Bama problem. That you're that is a see, Ryan Grubb probably was listening that morning and he said, A guy is more excited about a guy getting fired than he was at the birth of his own son. Coach, these man, these people are crazy down here. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, have a great day, brother. Crazy. I'll take it. <laughs> we'll see you. John JT, hang on. Promise we're gonna get to you. Your reaction. A lot of reaction coming in to Ryan Grubb, OC at Washington, staying put there in Seattle. Nick Saban and the search continues. It is signing day part two. We'll get you updated on that as well as other happenings. The Big 12, they've got their schedule out following up the ACC and what they did on Monday. We'll talk about it. It's Morning Jocks and Jocks 94.5. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Six thirty-six. It is morning, Jocks. Jocks ninety-four-five. Lance and Roberts. That is Damian Mitchell, and of course you. Love waking up with you guys. 
205-834-9450 on the Jocks text line or 800-239-WJOX. The first day of February, it is also signing day part two. UAB expected to sign more than a handful of players to fill out their signing class. The first for head coach Trent Dilfer. Uh, he's going to be on, I believe, with Mac and Cube in the morning tomorrow coming up at 8.05. But we'll double check and we'll get you that for you UAB fans. We'll get you up to date on any letters of intent that come in, but UAB already with a lot of transfers. Auburn expected to sign one player. Alabama, Nick Saban, not expected to sign any players today. A lot of the bulk in the heavy lifting done by, by schools back in the early signing period, in the early signing day we got back in towards the latter part of December. But teams like Colorado, they could add guys and, and other folks as well. So signing day, part two. Also, the NFL, we get news yesterday. Former Alabama linebacker D'Amico Ryans. He takes the Texans job. God bless D'Amico and what he inherits there in Houston. But he gets a six-year deal, and that's that's great. A great opportunity for a great up-and-coming. feel like he's kind of arrived coach and what he was able to do with the 49ers defense and just being a a coach for the short time span that he that he has been. What do you think about that, D? D'Amico yeah, somebody has, somebody has played there. I mean, now he comes into a division that's ran by the – well, I was about to say ran by the Titans, but the Jaguars end up winning this year. Um, but, I mean, I just I like the fact that he's the head coach. I, I mean, a guy that's played there, he knows it. Um, and the fact they gave him six years, because you've seen the, the turnaround in the past, what, two to three years of just, you know, one year in, one year out, one year in, one year out. Now they know for a guy – Nah, D'Amico knows what's going on. He's a he's a guy that can obviously he can coach the defensive side. He's gonna let the offense do what they need to do. He definitely needs to address the quarterback situation. But he does have a, a daunting task ahead of him, but I think he's ready for it. I think he's ready for it. So D'Amico Ryan's name there in Houston. Sean Payton, he agrees to a deal with the Broncos, expected to be one of the highest paid coaches in the league. He talked about the organization, the history. He talked about what he saw from the team this year, which, to be quite honest, it wasn't great. Nathaniel Hackett fired, but the ownership, and it is expected that Sean Payton is going to be making crazy money. He's still under contract with the Saints, which makes it interesting. So he's actually acquired in a trade. This is not the first time it's happened. It's happened with other NFL coaches in the past. But in the trade, the Broncos, of course, get Sean Payton. New Orleans gets the 2023 first-round pick from Denver, the 2024 second round pick and the Broncos get the 2024 third round pick from the Saints so there is some of your NFL news and notes Alabama 57 point win over Vanderbilt last night 101 to 44 their largest victory and margin of victory in SEC history for them and you get Auburn hosting Georgia tonight six o'clock jocks 94.5 the tip at six there at Neville Arena Ryan Grubb, the OC at Washington. That's the headline. That's what's getting a lot of your reaction today. He visits Tuscaloosa just a couple of days ago. He meets with Nick Saban, and then we get the announcement mid-afternoon that Ryan Grubb is staying as the Washington Huskies offensive coordinator. Your reaction, why? You see writing on the wall. He's a bad omen, silver lining. The stranglehold is real that Kirby Smart has over college football. John is in T-Town. John, welcome in. Hey, guys, how y'all doing this morning? Doing great. Doing well, brother. Uh, before I get to Ryan Grubbs, uh, we were talking about the uh, rare possibility of flips on signing day. Uh, it was a few years ago, I think the last last year before the early signing period, you had Reuben Foster flip three days after getting his Auburn tattoo from Auburn, Alabama. 
so you never know what's going to happen today. Um, talking Alabama basketball real quick, I have a former teammate and classmate that I graduated high school with that is an assistant coach on another sport there. Said he was in the facility and the normal shoot-around you have the day before the game turned into an all-out, um, we'll say, conditioning session with no basketballs. And at the end of that practice, one of the team leaders in the huddle told his other teammates, uh, we're not going to do this substitute expletive that starts with an S anymore. So I think that was your motivation for last night's game. Um, and it comes to Ryan Grubbs, you know, I brought this up yesterday when I called in. You think there's a possibility of it that, you know, especially with a young coach like that trying to make a name for himself, he just didn't want to come in and, you know, hey, this is the system you're going to run, this is the terminology you're going to run, but you're going to get the call plays. Uh, you know, I asked y'all that yesterday. Is Nick going to have to kind of come off of that and give the coordinator a little more responsibility? And in the end, you know, I can't make my name if I'm doing it your way, then it's not my way. Now I hang up listening. You guys have a great day. It's a great point. And while you also look at the guys who have, have filled those rows previously, they've been elevated, whether it was Sart coming from analyst to being OC and needing – you know, that second chance from Nick Saban. Lane Kiffin, very similar. Given that opportunity to come to Alabama uh, to do that. You know, you got hat in hand. It's what, beggars can't be choosers. And, you know, you're going to conform. I, I guess that's a really good example. Bill O'Brien and what they ran, I think conceptually, he could he could marry that and make it work with the system that was in place there at Alabama. Um, while what? Ryan Grubb does is not totally just wild and, wow, we've never seen it. It's not like a, a Coastal Carolina offense. Mm-mm. But that's I, th- I think it's a good point by John and T-Town. Just being able to do your own thing, calling it yours. Yeah. And it's, it's not. It, it's, and he brings up a great point. You're not you know? in the bread line. Again, you just mm-hmm. got two raises, and they're, they're giving you the world to stay there and call plays in Seattle. Right. And – Again, do you want to give that up for, you know, potential a, a better potential of you know winning championships and also again just being he's a micromanager. It's it's this is what we're this is what we've called it for years. This is how it's going to look. This is how it is. Or you know, game two of the twenty twenty three season when Texas comes in and oh, yeah. your young quarterback has been picked off three times in the first three quarters and all of a sudden you're terrible. Yep. You're awful. And you look up at the score crawl, and Washington's beating the brakes off of somebody or, with Michael Penix Jr. Or, yeah. you, or you throw a pass in the red zone or inside the 10, and you definitely get questioned for play calling. JT is in Jasper. JT, welcome in the morning, Jocks. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, one thing I'm curious about is Saban has hired a lot of coordinators and a lot of coaches over the last 10 years. Do y'all ever remember there being a – uh, it being becoming public that a coach was coming in to meet with Saban and interview for a position like this. That's the thing that blew me away yesterday. Is not that uh, this guy was coming, but that it it was public. I mean, there's no telling how many folks Saban has always interviewed, but you never know about it until you just right before it's hired. But so, you, and I'm sure a lot of coaches have flown into Tuscaloosa and met the tour. But sure, this was the first one that was ever announced and made a big deal out of. No, so it I was public. And JT, that yeah. that made me believe that yeah, there is no way that this guy's going to leave Tuscaloosa and he's not going to be named the OC. But even other guys that have come, you 
I mean, this, you've never had a situation like this. Well, Steve Sarkeesian's flying in Tuscaloosa today. He's going to be the next offensive right. coordinator. We didn't have, we've never had that. So I'm wondering if maybe Grubb or Washington leaked this from their side to get a little bit of PR for Washington. Because people talked about Washington football the last two days. Otherwise, would not have done that. So, uh, And I'm not saying, well, Alabama didn't want him. I'm not trying to go that route either. I'm just saying that part is real peculiar and, and you know, it might have been it might have been personalities clash or Saban may have, you know, walked into the interview room and said, How does everybody know you're here? So I don't know. I just found that very odd. Thank you for the phone call, JT and Jasper. Quickly, we'll go to Mike and Trussell. Mike, welcome in. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, y'all were talking about the offensive coordinator in particular, about how he come in and uh, you know, he wanna put in his system and stuff. Well, as I remember when Sark came in and when Kiffin came in they looked at the personnel they had and adjusted their system to the pers- personnel they had. And I haven't heard anybody on radio not talk about that, uh, the coach adjusting their system to their personnel. Well, we don't know what the personnel is besides the receiver position. We don't know what the personnel is besides the receiver position. You don't know what? We don't know what the personnel looks like besides the receiver position. We have one game of Jalen Milrow, and I don't think that's a, really enough sample size. Well, I think, I think that's what the spring in the, right now is for, isn't it? Well, we don't have. They don't well, have yeah, a coach. But I mean, he's got to make. Well, yeah, he's got to make that decision. I mean, he's got Michael Penix Jr. coming back, a guy who's now going to be. Walk into a program said, "This is it. This is the way we're going to run it." If you're, to me, if you're a good coordinator, you're not going to do that. That's why so many coordinators fail. No, and that's that was, and that was my point. Was you already had guys like Lane Kiffin, like Sark, that were on staff, Mike Loxley, that were on staff, that they were getting a raise, and and they're going to conform to do whatever Nick Saban needs him to do and what is the Alabama offense whereas this guy he's come in I guess you you say he's owned it on his own merits I mean he's going to make two million dollars a year be one of the highest paid coordinators in college football Mike and he he gets to do his own thing it's not like Kalen DeBoer's going to make him change yeah on the grub thing he may have just been in looking looking over TJ he'd never been south before I don't know that he was even offered the from did we even know that he was offered we don't we don't uh do find it hard to believe that that you fly across the country to go and tour a facility when you could have you could have had a conversation well, if virtually. I was a coach like, if I was a coach like Grubb, I'd want to kind of see what the area looked like if I'd never been south before. True, he was born in Kingsley, Iowa. Thirteen hundred yeah. is the population. So That's a lot different than down here. Yes, yes, anyway. it is. Well, hey, we appreciate right, it, Mike. Thank you. Have a great Wednesday. We'll continue. It's morning, Jocks and Jocks ninety four five. What's up, folks? Anthony Armstrong here. Bob Popple, along with Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Hey, NFL fans. This is Solomon Wilcox, former NFL safety and host of the Believe in Bengals podcast. Catch my show and all 32 Believe NFL podcasts. Listen in to former players give their inside perspective on your favorite team. Search Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's always football season, wherever you listen. Six fifty three. It's morning, Jocks. Jocks Sunny four five. Lots of reaction to Ryan Grubb deciding he's going to stay as the offensive coordinator at Washington. Nick Saban continuing to search for a replacement for Bill O'Brien, also for Pete Golding, and it's also signing day. Part two. Alabama not expected to add to their signing class, which was the best in the country, one of the best that they've had in Nick Saban's tenure there at Alabama. 
Auburn expected to sign a couple of players, one of them being Jeremiah Cobb. He's a running back out of Montgomery, Alabama. Went to Catholic. He's going to have a signing day ceremony there with his teammates. Uh, he will sign today, so that'll add another four-star and a running back to Hugh Freeze's class in an impressive haul. Well, he's been able to do in a short time there on the Plains. Uh, also, you have UAB expected to sign more than a handful of players today to round out their class. Also, the number of transfers that they have gotten via the portal is Trent Dilfer and his staff working through their first real signing day. They just kind of gotten on the scene when we had uh, the first signing day back in December and them getting that job uh, there in the late part of November, early part of December. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that as well. And some other big national announcements, but you got Ellis Robinson, the fourth, who is a talented cornerback. Alabama is a part of his list, but is not expected. He's going to sign with Alabama. Alabama's good in the secondary department. Let's just be honest. Let's just get coordinators. That's all we're worried about that's right all, now. <laughs> that's it. Just get coordinators and maybe an elite wide receiver, and we'll be good. Maybe. Always your texts are appreciated. We appreciate uh, your auntie, and that would be Tawana. Okay. Appreciate it. But not your real auntie. Nah. It's all love, though. It, it is. Um, we appreciate you, Tawana. Texting the end of the show. She says, good morning, fellas. Happy February 1st. As always, enjoy the show. No better way to start the day other than the hashtag rip and read. Hope you fellas have the best day ever. Showing a little love from Pell City. We love you, girl. Love you, auntie. Brandon says, maybe he just saw in person the city of Tuscaloosa as a dump. WDE. Oh, come on, Brandon. <laughs> Mike from Birmingham. How many games do you think? D'Amico Ryans will win his first season. How good will the defense be? Woo. Uh, first season, I will go. Uh, I was gonna say six. I was gonna go six too. Uh, Greg says, "You think it's getting harder for Saban to hire coaches?" Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, John says, "All these other coaches were already established." And Mark says, "I don't blame Grub. M- money talks." And then John Mack fighting Texas Aggie. I just can't go into all of your comments. Have a great day, John Mack. Mack and Cube. Speaking of Max, they're next. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a comedian. In my 20s, I wasn't, like, in a company. And I don't know, like, how marketing, sales. Yeah, you're a brand. You're a company. Yeah. And like Jay-Z says, I'm a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. To that. Remind me not to quote any hip-hop lyrics again. That was just a big miss. <laughs> when you first said it, I'm like, yeah, he's a businessman. Yeah, I nailed it at the end. I pulled it together. It just took me a minute. The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen.